0: 27 through 42, challenges us with this question that you're probably familiar with. What side of history are you on? It's a question that has a powerful rhetoric. It sounds and it has the force like this. You don't want to be on the losing side, do you? It has a common refrain right? It has something that we are used to people asking us. It is a question that everyone uses. What side of history are you on? Oftentimes it's a question that doesn't deserve an answer. Oftentimes it's a question that doesn't deserve an answer. Because the question itself is asking you to change your views without any evidence. You want me to change my view to be on the right side of history without any evidence? You're telling me I should change my views just because of what is inevitably going to happen? Well, before I do that, can you tell me what ought to be happening and why? I, I can't answer what I ought to do unless I first answer of what story am I a part? know, In other words, to answer what side of history you are on, you have to know what story you are in. We all live by a story. Stories are how we see the world, how we make sense of what is going on and our place in it. We're back in the story of the Samaritan woman, and let's put ourselves in her sandals for a moment. What story did she live by before she met Christ? It appears that with five husbands and the man that she's with who is not her husband, that she might have spent her life, at least a considerable part of it, looking for love in all the wrong places trying on different roles, playing different characters, all that have dehumanized her and led her further and further and further away from her creator. Like Augustine has said, God has made us for himself and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in him. Well, not until she puts on Christ, not until she rests in Christ does she find herself becoming who she was to be and playing the character that she was made to play. You see, finding her identity in Christ actually enables her to see the whole world differently. I like how C.S. Lewis put it. C.S. Lewis says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, the S-U-N, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. The sun gives you the light to see the world as it is. To put it in the words of our text this morning, worship restores her. Christ's light shines in her life. She has never been more exposed, come see a man who told me all that I ever did, And yet, she has never been more safe. You can sense her security. You can feel how safe she's become in Christ's love. Because notice what happens. For the people that she used to dodge and to duck, now are the very people she tracks down and hunts. Look at verses 28 and 29. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, that she used to dodge and duck. Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? A worship that restores her love is a worship that restores her life. She joins the Witness Collective on day one. She is not an expert. She has hardly spent more than one hour with Jesus. She has had no theological training. She doesn't have all the answers, but she knows that Jesus is worth a look. And so she goes to them. And the worship that restores her love is a worship that restores her life. And it rouses her, it wakes her up to see what time it is, what side of history she is on, because Christ has come, the Messiah is here, and now things are going to be different. Get used to different. And so her worship of Christ fuels her witness to all of those in her relational sphere. In other words, catch this from last week. She drank from the living water and now in her became a fount springing of living water to others and infilling for an outflowing for the good of others all on day one of following Jesus. And what she gets intuitively, the disciples They need instruction. She is immediately roused to do the Father's will and work. And we find the disciples here dozy. They are dopey. They need to wake up. They've missed what side of history they are on, they have forgotten what time it is. And here's where we're going to switch from the sandals of the Samaritan woman to let's go ahead and try on the sandals of these disciples. Jesus gave them a very specific task. You're gonna find it in John four, verse eight. In John four, verse eight, Christ told his disciples to go away into the city and to buy food. This is before Uber Eats. This is before DoorDash, okay? So they leave Jesus to get their master a meal. And you can see what their priorities are from this passage. Priority A, go and get lunch. Priority B: Do not talk to any Samaritans. Priority C: Get out of Samaria as fast as you can. And when they return with their food in hand, their jaws drop open with the shock that Jesus' priorities are not their priorities. John 4:27. John four verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or, why are you talking with her? They look at the woman, they're thinking, what do you want, love? They look at him, Jesus, and they say, why are you talking with her? So absorbed in completing the task for Jesus that they completely miss the mission of Jesus. John 4.31 Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. That's sort of annoying if you just went to go get food. (laughs) I, I just made this long trip there, and you're saying you already ate? Thanks for nothing? So they're confused. Verse 33, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? I mean, they're clueless. They thought the priorities were, A, get lunch. And now Jesus seems not to be interested in food. Priority B, don't talk to any Samaritan. And now Jesus is talking to a Samaritan. Woman. Priority C, get out of Samaria as fast as you can. And by the end of the story, Jesus is there for two more days So obsessed with their everyday needs, so blind to the identity of Jesus, they cannot lift up their eyes to see what side of history they are standing on. They headed into a city, they must have bumped into the same people that the Samaritan woman invites to come and see but all they could think about was their belly. It did not occur to them for a single second that these Samaritan people could be the very people that Jesus came for. No, they had food to cook, people to avoid, families to return to, home safe and sound. So absorbed in the happenings of this world that they missed the history for which the Savior of the world had come. If your priorities this morning are A, get lunch for mom, B, don't speak to anyone about the gospel, C, get back home or to church where it is safe as fast as you can. Jesus wants to restore you through worship, to revolutionize your perspectives and priorities. The test this morning, Jesus is going to be asking you, do you know what story you are in? Wake up. Do you have you forgotten what time it is? Look. Do you know what side of history you are standing on? Lift up your eyes. Here's our outline. Step into a story where a full heart is better than a full stomach. Step into a story where now is better than later. And step into a story where bigger is always better. First, do you know what story you are in? Step into a story where a full heart of God's will is better than a full stomach of Godfather's pizza. John 4, Jesus asked for a drink of water, but the woman never gives him one. He hasn't eaten anything, and yet Jesus has gone from tired and thirsty to energized and excited. How does that happen? We find our answer in verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. When Jesus uses physical terms to describe spiritual realities, nobody gets it. Have you noticed that? Right? Everyone takes him too literally. Nicodemus, a couple weeks ago, he must be born again. How do I get back in there? Okay, don't understand it. The woman at the well, you're driven this living water. She goes, how are you going to get it without a bucket? Now it's the disciples' turn to major in missing the point. I have food to do. I have food to eat that you don't know about. But Jesus is trying to help them understand matters of faith by relating it to matters of food. We crave food, don't we? We are satisfied by food. And Jesus is saying, I crave the Father's will. What what satisfies me is doing God's work. Faith family, God has a will. God has a work, and catch this young person, a submitted life to the will of God is a satisfied life in the work of God. Let me say that again. A submitted life to the will of God is the only life that you will find satisfaction in doing the work of God. And the work that God has given Jesus to do is saving the world. That's what takes Jesus from being weary and hungry to being excited and energized is that he is bringing this woman to believe that he is the Christ so that she might have life. That's the work Christ came to do. Think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is his work. Go and save the world. And that for Jesus is better than lunch. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if saving the world is better than food, then we need to be wholeheartedly committed to that. Here's a question for you, Faith Family has given people the gospel been a higher priority than getting lunch. Most of us are about looking after ourselves physically rather than about the work that God sent Jesus into the world to do. We have food to cook, calories to count, a bus to catch, meetings to attend, a career to progress, a mortgage to pay, kids to educate, holidays to think about, a retirement to save. Wake up! Do you know what time it is? Look. Do you know what side of history you are on? Jesus has come. And anyone that meets Him is on the edge of receiving eternal life. Which means this, faith family, if you have the gospel in your heart and a gospel in your pocket, you have more than a little tiny harvest knife, you have a combine harvester. I looked it up this week, the New Holland CR Revelation, I can't even make that up, sounds like a Christian name, the New Holland CR Revelation is the largest combine harvester there is. It goes for over like a million bucks. It is expensive. What you have with the gospel in your heart and a gospel in your pocket is not a little tiny harvest knife. It is a New Holland CR revelation. That is how exciting it is for you to be a Christian. Because if you have the gospel in your heart and a gospel in your pocket, anyone you meet is on the edge of eternal life. All you have to do is meet them and to talk to them about the gospel, and they can turn in trust. So, as you go about your work, you will find yourself energized, encouraged, sustained, nourished because you are doing the work of God. Christian, by worshiping Christ as Savior of the world, allow Him to restore you a vision of the world that will actually satisfy you. A vision of doing God's will and God's work? Would you this morning step into a story where a full heart of doing God's will is better than a full stomach of Godfather's pizza? Well, in verses 35 through 36, Jesus invites us to step into a story where now is better than later. He does so by quoting a saying that we all would have known if we would have lived in Galilee, right? We would say it like this. Patience is a virtue, or good things come to those who wait. But if you're from Galilee, this is what they would have said. There are yet four months, and then comes the harvest, right? Four months is patience is a virtue. Good things come to those who wait, because in the Middle East, there is four months between sowing and reaping. So what Jesus is saying here is, don't you all believe that you should just kind of calm down? I mean, harvest is full months away. Patience is a virtue. Don't you say that? But notice that Jesus is inviting you into a story where now is better than later. It is better than a regular harvest. Isn't it normal to rejoice at harvest time? Don't we do that over there at Ledgeview Gardens on 129? On 129, we rejoice at the apples and the pumpkins, but most specifically, those apples that are donuts they harvest. I mean, it is just amazing how they pull those off the trees and present them to us in these bags. I mean, ah, so many of you are going to go get some of those for mom today. I know, all right. Ask Dana Fisher. He used to work there. And then we also hear, right? The Muzzy family band, the home folks playing their brewgrass music. We all love that. There is just harvest joy at Ledgeview. But Jesus says this harvest is different because the sower and the reaper are going to rejoice together simultaneously. Somehow, all the weight is gone. The seasonal variations of the natural world are suspended in the spiritual world. There is no four-month waiting period spiritually. As you sow spiritually, there can be reaping going on at the same time because He has arrived. Wake up. Do you know what time it is? Look up. Do you know what side of history you are on? Can you imagine being a farmer? with thousands of apples to harvest, thousands of pumpkins to harvest, and that you go to bed in June, and you oversleep, and you wake up, and it's October 21st? Can you imagine that farmer waking up? He thought he had four months to get all this work done, and now it's harvest time. Look, don't you know what side of history you're on? It's harvest time. Christ has come. There's no need to wait, for there is not a better time than now. The harvest is right now. So let me get into your chili. Faith family, what is holding you back from sharing the gospel of eternal life with people? Do you think it's because now's not the right time? Maybe we should wait for a better time. You know, I need to get some more training Faith family, have you forgotten the identity of the harvester here? The Samaritan woman, theologically uneducated, religiously disqualified, morally questionable, ethnically excluded. She has not taken rediscovering Jesus on Sunday nights. She has not been invited to read the the Gospel of John one-to-one with their pastor. She could only say, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. And those weren't good things. So if you think I could never do that, she did. Others think, I'm going to wait for God to give me a better platform. There was a dear lady in our church. I love her dearly. She used to go here. She came to me. She was so excited about her opportunity that she had envisioned for sharing the gospel. It was going to be on her retirement party. Oh, yeah, she was telling me all that she was going to do on her retirement party to share the gospel, and she was expecting me to be excited for her. And I heard the whole story and all the preparation and all the details of what she was going to do, and I looked at her and I said, why not now? You're going to do this on your last day? When you're no longer with them? When you can't answer questions? When you can't even explain it anymore? My dear sister, is this for you or for them? Don't wait for a better time. You don't have four months. Harvest is now. Get urgent. What are you waiting for? For them to get married so they can stop living together beforehand? You don't have to cover that difficult topic? Are you waiting for them to have a baby? Because sleep deprivation and spiritual conversations go together. Are you waiting for them to go through suffering? Because suffering hasn't hardened people and turned them away from God. No, never. Step into a story where now is always better than later. Because one thing is for sure. You cannot share the gospel with people at their funeral. Christian, wake up do you know what time it is? Look. Do you know what side of history you are on? I wonder if you sense the privilege and the responsibility and the lasting value of living on the right side of history you have. We can tell people things today that the angels in heaven have longed to look into. We can tell people things today with more clarity than the Old Testament prophets had to look forward to with a shadowy figure. We now get to say with gospel clarity on this side of history, on this side of the cross, things that no one else has been able to share. There is not a better time than now to share the gospel. We can step into that story. After all of their work. That's what Jesus is telling people here in verses 37 through 38. Look at that. 37 through 38. For here the saying holds true. One sows and reaps. Verse 38. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored. I take that as the Old Testament prophets. John the Baptist. And you have entered into their labor. Others labored and didn't harvest. You didn't labor in sowing, but now you can tell people the gospel, and now is better than ever before. Now is better than later. What Jesus has just clarified is now being confirmed. Jesus is teaching us is no longer abstract and theoretical because the whole town is on its way to him. The woman has sowed, and there is no four months of waiting. The harvest is coming towards Jesus. All in the same day. Notice the nature of the harvest. Jesus is summoning people from every background imaginable to be a part of the family of God. Whosoever. Our final point this morning. Christ invites you into a story where bigger is always better. Look at 39 through 42. two days truck loads of people receiving eternal life because they believe Jesus is the savior of the world all through the most unlikely least qualified evangelist who had her worship restored her whole life restored to revolutionize her priorities could you experience this morning gospel joy in seeing your neighbors and family come to Christ? Wake up. Do you know what time it is? Look. Don't you know what side of history you stand? It's harvest time. Jesus has come. And He is the Savior of the world. Hey, family. Who would you never expect to be a part of the harvest. Who do you overlook? Don't be ridiculous and think, I'm never going to reap in the office. I'm never going to reap among my family. I'm never going to reap among my conservative neighbors who have conflated love for God and country with what it means to be a Christian. I'm never going to reap among my liberal neighbors who think that religion should be privatized. They're certainly not interested. Are you so locked in your prejudice, faith family, that you think certain people are beyond the grace of God? Don't you realize who He is? He's the Savior of the world. Don't you know what He is doing? Harvesting. Do you know what God is doing at the eggshell? Pat Shagman, do you know what God is doing with the eggshell, the rice's, harvest time? Do you know what God is doing in spring sports? Harvest time. Do you know what God is doing at Eagle Scout projects and senior projects? Harvesting. Do you know what God is doing? Grace owns the gym. At your box, it's harvest time. Do you know what God's doing all over Loudon? It's harvest time You know what God's doing in Manchester in the inner city? It's harvest time. Do you know what God is doing in the least religious city in New England, Providence, Rhode Island? Kevin McKay. My friend David, Drewberry. Harvest time. The world's worship of Jesus depends upon your witness to Jesus. The world's worship of Jesus depends on your witness to Jesus. A mission that continues. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Jerusalem? Judea? Samaria? The other ends of the earth. My non-Christian friend, the invitation goes out to you. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history, do you? Get on the right side of history. The right side of history is being on the right side of Jesus. That's how history will be divided. Those that receive Him to eternal life, those that reject Him to eternal damnation. Are you on the right side of Jesus? Come and see. For it is better to be late than never. We'd love for you to ask one of us to read the Bible with you if you need more time. Read John one-to-one with you. I've heard this week several times, and last week and the week before, Pastor, I never thought you'd meet with me. You seem so busy. Well, it is not just me that can meet with you. And I am willing to clear out my schedule, because now is always better than later, even on a Mother's Day. Lunch can wait. If you would like to have something that's more satisfying than food of this world. But you can talk to your friend that brought you. You can talk to your family member that brought you. We'd all love for you to know this Jesus who could this be, the Christ. If you're here and you're a Christ follower, do you know what time it is? On what side of history do you stand? Wake up. I don't think that we have to be scared about all the other things that are going on in this world. We are on the right side of Jesus. And we know that history and where it is inevitably moving to. May that give you confidence to share with compassion and clarity as He restores your worship, restores your life, to revolutionize your priorities, look it's harvest time. Christ has come. things are going to be different. Get used to different let's pray Lord what we have what we hope happens here every single Sunday is that You would restore us to worship You, where we have been worshiping false gods all week. We have made You small and other things big. We have worshiped our health. We have worshiped our schedule and our plans, our routines. We have worshiped our education, our work, our careers, our children. We have worshiped the mundane tasks. Lord, we pray that You would restore us to worshiping You in spirit and in truth. And as we have a bigger vision, a more real vision, not just a belief in our head, but that we feel that you are really resurrected and that you offer life, that when we feel that, that you would restore us. As we go back to our worship through work on Monday, may it change how we see everyone we come in contact with. That they are on the edge of receiving eternal life because you have put the gospel in our hearts and we have brought a gospel in our pockets. May we live with such confidence that bigger is always better, that you want to include whoever. May we not write people off due to their ethnicity, their age, their gender. Lord, we pray that we would be your ambassadors as this Samaritan woman was on day one. And we pray, Lord, that we would rejoice that we can sow and reap in the same season. For you have come, the Lord of the harvest, the Savior of the world. May we get busy doing your work until you return. May we live as if you could come back tonight. May we work as if you're not gonna come back for a thousand years. In Christ's name, amen. You're able, let's stand together.